Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 3, 1 through 11, called That I May Know Him. be in Philippians chapter 3, that I may know him is the message. Why don't you uh, take your Bible, open it to Philippians 3, or if you're going to open up a device, open up there. Stand to your feet if you're able with us. Philippians 3, verse 1, that I may know him. Paul writes, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. For we, Philippians 3, 3, are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. And may be found in him, verse 9, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him, there's our title, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection. From the dead. Father, thank you for your living word. Thank you that that word is written on our hearts as we read it, as we take it in, as we meditate on it. Our deep desire is to honor you in the teaching and the hearing and the responding to the word of God. So would you speak to us? Your servants have ears to hear. We want to hear what you would say to your bride in this hour. So give us ears to hear. Bless your people. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated that I may know him. So the Apostle Paul, if we were to interview the man that wrote about half of the New Testament, two-thirds of the New Testament letters, and we were to say to Paul, what is your main goal in your Christian life? What is it that you are aiming at? What's the goal? I believe that we can confidently say that Paul would say that I may know him. Now, Ephesians 1.17 is a good parallel verse to this, where Paul prays that the eyes of our hearts may be open, and then the NIV version puts it this way, that we might know him better. Because all of you are thinking, well, Paul already knows him. This guy is the author of much of the New Testament. How could he say that I may know him? The idea is that I may know him more and in deeper ways. The Christian life If you're going to boil it down to one singular thing, it is this, that you and I would know him better. And the word know is an interesting word in the Bible, K-N-O-W. The word actually goes back to the marital relationship. It is a word that scholars say speaks to 
something that we would call relational intimacy. The goal of our Christian life is to get to know God better and deeper, more and more every single day. I'll give you an example from marriage. The day that you get married, for those of you who are married, it can be a whirlwind. There's so much going on, so much planning. You come up to the altar, you say vows to one another. You've had a courtship of whatever that time may be. From that time that the covenant is sealed, if you will, the rest of the relationship is getting to know that person better. Your motivation for marrying them can shift over the years. You can find new depths of love and devotion and knowledge of that individual. Here's the beauty of Christianity. God wants to be known by you. He knows you, but he wants you to know him better. He doesn't want you just to be a person that checks boxes, that knows Christian lingo, that can read your Bible so that you can tell somebody else, this is what I read. That's not what it's all about. What it's all about is that you and I would know him, that we would draw closer and closer to the Lord. In fact, the word worship literally means to draw near. Each time that we gather as a church to worship the Lord, we are drawing near to God a little bit closer every time we worship. We draw near to one another, of course, but we draw near to God. Now, Paul's going to talk about some of the impediments or challenges to that notion to draw near to God. Paul grew up in a Jewish home. He was, he's going to give us his resume in verses five and six here. He was the top, you know, the highest echelon you could imagine in terms of checking the boxes. But of all the boxes that he checked, being a Pharisee, as to the law, blameless, he did not know God. He had all the religious stuff down, but he didn't know the Lord. Now, I want to take you to a book, Jeremiah. Hold your place in Philippians. We'll come back to that in a second. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. If you you find the Psalms, go a little bit to your right. Pass up Isaiah. You're going to get to Jeremiah. I want to show you a passage of many that I could show you. We're going to look at a few here. But Jeremiah is writing in the context to a nation that has forgotten God and is coming under judgment. And they're going to go into Babylonian captivity. God's going to use the armies of Babylon to judge his people. And Jeremiah had to see all this, and he had to speak hard prophecy to his people. Jeremiah 9, the first one I want you to see is in verse 23. Jeremiah 9, 23, thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, Jeremiah 9, 23. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Keep reading. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, that I will punish all who are circumcised and yet uncircumcised, Egypt and Judah and Edom and the sons of Ammon and Moab and all those inhabiting the desert who clip the hair on their temples. For all the nations are uncircumcised And all the house of Israel, here's the key, are uncircumcised where? Of heart. Now, they've done the outward things. They've done the religious things. They know the lingo. They know where to be on certain feast days and Sabbath days. They know the diet. They know the way to dress. They know the fasting and the tithing. But they don't know the Lord. 
They were uncircumcised in heart. They had the ritual down, but they didn't have the relationship. Some of you have come into the Christian church and you've heard about this relationship with the Lord and it's, it's a foreign thing to you. And it may be foreign because of the way that you grew up. I was recently in a Bible study with a lot of former Roman Catholics, and I, I know there's a lot of wonderful uh, brothers and sisters in the Roman Catholic Church, but I'll tell you what a lot of ex- us experienced in that church and uh, what they, they agreed that they went through. So you get baptized as a child, you, get, you do a first communion, and then you go through a confirmation. In Roman Catholicism, when you go through confirmation, that's when the Roman Catholic Church believes you receive the Holy Spirit. Once you receive the Holy Spirit, your family often feels that you're good or you're signed, sealed, delivered. He's yours. And for a lot of them, they then said that the family stopped going to church except for major holidays. And the idea was the boxes were checked. This kid's now good because he's gone through the exercise. Now, I'm not saying that the exercise couldn't lead you to the Lord. For many people, perhaps, on that confirmation day, they truly did receive the Holy Spirit and came to the Lord. I don't know for sure. But I'm saying that there's a danger in thinking that just by checking the boxes of doing the rituals, if you will, that leads you into right standing with God. And that is what Paul ran into as a first century Jew. And that's what many of us run into perhaps as contemporary people in churches. If you go back to the early part of the chapter in chapter 9 of Jeremiah, look at verse 3. He says, they bend their tongue like their bow. Lies and not truth prevail in the land. Sound familiar? For they proceed from evil to evil. And here's the issue. They do not know me, declares the Lord. Go down to verse 6, Jeremiah 9. Your dwelling is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit, they refuse to know me, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, I will refine them and assay them. For what else can I do? It's almost like the Lord's throwing up his hands because of the daughter of my people. They refuse to know me. So God says judgment is coming to my people. Now, in Jeremiah 22, I want to give you a little bit of good news before we move back to Philippians chapter 3. Go up to Jeremiah 22. One more hard one, and then I'll give you a little bit of good news. The Lord addresses Shulam, son of Josiah, king of Judah, and he says these words in Jeremiah 22, 15. Do you become a king because you are competing in cedar? 22, 15. Did not your father eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well with him. He pled the cause of the afflicted and the needy. Then it was well with him, or it was well. Is not that what it means to know me, declares the Lord? But your eyes and your heart are intent only upon your own dishonest gain and on shedding innocent blood and on practicing oppression and extortion. Now, here's the problem with the nation. Flip over to Jeremiah 24. And here's what God says he's ultimately going to do after he disciplines the people. He says in Jeremiah 24, 6, he's addressing the captives who will return from Babylon after 70 years. He says, I will set... 24 6 my eyes on them for good and i will bring them again to this land and i will build them up and not overthrow them and i will plant them and not pluck them up and i will give them a heart what your bible say to know me you'll hear more from pastor michael in a moment hello i'm rob newton producer of walk in truth with pastor michael lance 
Thank you to all our Walk in Truth partners for your financial support. We are over halfway through this year, and you have raised over $30,000 to support our mission of being on the radio and podcast equipping people with God's truth. Now, we have more opportunities to broadcast Walk in Truth on more radio stations. That means we can serve more communities with Pastor Michael's unique way of teaching through the Bible. Radio is still strongly used by people all over the world. Not everyone gets to use podcast and stream on their phone, but radio in a car or at home is still free for listeners. Most listeners who reach out to Walk in Truth are listening on the radio. Now our audience is growing, and so are the opportunities. We would love to expand the program, and we need your help to do it. It costs thousands of dollars for airtime, and we could use more Walk in Truth partners. Are you blessed by Pastor Michael's teachings? Are you learning? Are you being challenged? We hope to reach more people like you. Would you please consider becoming a $20 monthly Walk in Truth partner? We are looking for at least 200 more listeners to help continue our mission to equip the body of Christ. Right now, our church and current Walk in Truth partners help pay the bills, but we would like to become fully funded by listeners. This will make it so what we have from the church can be used for expansion. Please sign up to become a Walk in Truth partner on walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Again, become a $20 monthly partner by visiting walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And on shedding innocent blood, and on practicing oppression and extortion. Now, here's the problem with the nation. Flip over to Jeremiah 24, and here's what God says he's ultimately going to do after he disciplines the people He says in Jeremiah 24, 6, he's addressing the captives who will return from Babylon after 70 years. He says, I will set 24, 6, my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them again to this land, and I will build them up and not overthrow them, and I will plant them and not pluck them up, and I will give them a heart, what's your Bible say, to know me, for I am the Lord, and they will be my people, and I will be their God for they will return to me with their whole heart. Flip over to Jeremiah 31, where God begins to lay out the new covenant that he will make with the house of Israel. And he's talking about now a heart change. That is an inner change instead of an outward ritual. He says in Jeremiah 31, 31, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, 31, 31, when I make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more. Now when Jesus came and he, if you turn back to Philippians 3, and he was praying in the upper room the night before he was crucified, he said these famous words, John seventeen three. he said, this is eternal life, 
that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is what it means to have eternal life, that you may know God. Can I ask you at the outset of this message, do you know God? I was witnessing to a a friend I played racquetball with, and we were having spiritual conversations back and forth. And one day I said to him, I know the Lord and the Lord knows me. And he said, Michael, you're nuts. What do you mean you know God and God knows you? And he didn't understand what I was saying. But if you're a Christian, this is the reality of who you are. You know the Lord and the Lord knows you. The Lord bears witness to this by giving us his Holy Spirit. But he also bears witness to it by the revelation that we have in Scripture. And this is the truth of what it means to be a believer. It's to know God. Now, there are things that obviously challenge us in that endeavor. What are those things? Well, if you grew up like me, they might be a temptation to check boxes and think, that's what puts me in good standing with God. If I did these certain things on this given day, there are people in movements today, I won't name them, but I think you're familiar with them, that are told, if you do this many good things, then this is what will happen to you. This will secure your future. This will accomplish this or that. But the truth of Scripture is that that is all irrelevant. If you don't know the Lord, you are not saved no matter how many good things you do. I'll give you an example. If I were to take you to a swimming pool after this service and dunk you in water a thousand times and you had not been baptized in your heart, you had not had a heart change, that outward action of going down under the water and coming back up again is absolutely meaningless. Now, if you have been changed on the inside or baptized on the inside, then that day of baptism means everything. Amen? Because it becomes a true sign of what's happened to you on the inside. The ritual cannot do it. The ritual simply should be a testimony to the reality of the heart. You take circumcision of the heart instead of the outward circumcision or circumcision or baptism, if you will. And I use the idea of the baptism of the heart. And so Paul begins these uh, famous words in chapter 3, Philippians, with verse 1, with finally. Uh, This is what preachers often say. And my final point is this. And most of you are like, I don't believe it. He's lied before. (laughs) Right from that hunk of wood. Well, the word finally doesn't mean finally. And all of you are like, yeah, it's just exactly what I expected. He's a preacher. There's going to be a fourth chapter as well. So if Paul did it, I can do it too. But the idea finally is that he's kind of switching points here and he's given a lot of encouragement. And now he says, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. This is a, this has been a letter about joy and we need to have joy. And then he says to write the same things again is no trouble to me. And it's a safeguard for you. Now, if you're taking notes, this is an important point. Joy will keep you spiritually healthy. Safeguards will keep you spiritually protected. Amen. I need joy in my life, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I love that. But you also need to build safeguards into your Christian life. What do you need to build safeguards against? Paul will lay it out. He will talk about false teaching and false teachers. And in the, in verses two and three, I believe, or at least in verse two, 
He uses the word beware in our English versions, at least the New American Standard, three times. Beware, beware, beware. In the Greek text, they're all words that start with the kappa or the K in Greek. And it's a way to write to kind of burn it into the minds of the listener. You say, what do I need to be aware of? What is Paul warning against in a letter of joy? Notice what he says. First, beware of the dogs. Now, all of you are saying, wait a minute, Pastor Michael. You said you were a dog lover. You said all dogs are believers. (laughs) I believe that. I believe most dogs are more spiritual than all of us. Can I get a witness? But in the first century, dogs were largely not domesticated. They ran around the Roman world as basically scavengers, ate garbage, you get the point. They were kind of a gross, detestable kind of animal. And the Orthodox Jews, or the very religious people of the day, looked down on Gentiles and called Gentiles, non-Jewish people, dogs. And so when Paul addresses these proud Pharisees who don't know the Lord, but look down on everybody else, he flips around the term and uses it against them and basically says, the Gentile believers aren't the dogs. You are. You've been listening to That I May Know Him, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 3, verses 1 through 11. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, are you in need of prayer or guidance? Sometimes getting through the week has its challenges, and we have pastors ready to hear what you have to say. Whatever you're going through, please call us. Walk in Truth has pastors on staff ready to talk to you Tuesdays through Fridays during normal daytime business hours. Please call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. Well, maybe you hear the concept of knowing God and you're like, I I don't get it. How do people say they know God and God knows them? Well, there is a, a deep spiritual reality that when you come to Christ, you can know the true and living God. I often tell people, doesn't it make sense that if there's a God who made you, knowing him would be the most important thing about life? You know, Jesus even said that eternal life is to know God, John 17, verse 3. And so maybe you feel distant from him. There's an old story of a old couple driving in a car, and as the years went by, the wife sitting in the passenger seat kind of You know, it's one of those old seats with no in-between space. She drifted farther and farther away until she was pushed up against the driver's side door. And she looked at her husband one day and said, what happened to us? We used to be so close. And he said, I'm not the one that moved. And you know, uh, to know God, when we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. He does want us to seek him and he will be found. So let me just say this to you. If you're feeling distant, and we all have those moments, maybe you would even say, I don't feel like I know God at all. Well, don't base it on your feelings, first of all. Base it on the truth, but there's something you can do. Draw near to him. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, you dive into the deep, deep end of the things of God. You get back into your Bible if you've been away. You get back into church services if you've been away. 
You put on worship instead of secular stuff. You turn off the phone and the TV and you spend a little time with the Lord. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you shut off all the devices and just said, Lord, I want to know you. I'm going to seek your face. The Lord promises if you do that, he'll be found. He's not hiding from anybody. He's made himself known in creation, in our conscience, in the person of Christ, and in the context of Scripture, in the canon, if you will, of Scripture. Let me give you four C's just really quick. God's made himself known in creation, conscience. He's made himself known in the person of Christ and the canon of Scripture. There's four C's. And so he is knowable. That's the beauty. Our God is not a distant deity. He wants you to know him. And he knows you. So draw near to him today. Hey, if we can help you in any way with that, uh, let us know. Reach out to us at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. The fact that you're listening right now tells me you want to know the Lord. Maybe uh, you're dealing with some spiritual warfare. Maybe you've become your worst enemy and you're not giving yourself a little bit of grace. Hey, you're listening to Christian radio. <laughs> That's good news that you want to know the Lord. Amen. All right. God bless you all. We'll see you tomorrow on Friday as we dive more into that I may know him. See you then. And remember that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $20 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 3, verses 1 through 11, called, That I May Know Him. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.